I'd say 30 I'm minutes. Shoot for 30. Yeah. 30? Okay. Welcome back to the NPR podcast for the four last things part two. <laughs> <laughs> Waka waka waka! Fuzzy Bear here to tell you about jokes old and rare. Waka waka! Good thing we got plenty of cold open material. A bear in his natural habitat. A Studebaker. A Studebaker, yeah. That's hilarious. Okay, Dr. Teeth and the Electric Mayhem. Which am us? Now you're coming with the frog. Now you're coming with the frog. Turtle. Welcome back to the NPR podcast for the last things part duh. <laughs> Do you need a cough drop? Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm fine. Thank you. Part two of the last things. I guess we got to last things 3.25 or I'm not sure we did. Well, you added the last one. Yeah. Yeah. The last, last things. Okay. We talked about death. We talked about the judgment, both particular and general. We talked about purgatory, uh, which is not part of the four last things, but it's necessary to talk about it. And now, Monsignor and Stephen, we are talking about heaven or hell. Well, we're talking about heaven and hell, but there's really, you can really only go to one of two places, heaven or hell. So Yeah, yeah, you can't visit and then... Yeah, it's not like in the particular judgment you go to heaven and then in general you're like, ah, crap, I'm going to hell. That was fun. Thanks, God. Or vice versa. Or vice versa, like... Like, ah, oh, man, I'm out of here now, you know? So, um, so which one do you want to talk about first, heaven or hell? Do we want to well, end I mean, on a happy note? Yeah, or we really on a sad note? <laughs> Usually it's, it's death, judgment, hell, and heaven. Is it really? Yeah. But for English, I think there's a cadence in English that makes it sound heaven better and to our hell. ears. Heaven and hell. Yeah. It's, for some reason, it sounds better yeah. to our ears. Let's talk about hell, you know? Let's chat about it, all right? So... What do you want to know? Well, Monsignor, I would like to know... It's real and you can go there. That's pretty much all I wanted to know. <laughs> it's real and you can go there. And you um, go there by dying in a state of unrepentant mortal sin. Yeah. And it never ends. Yeah, let's talk it about... it smells horrible. Horrible. <laughs> it smells horrible. <sighs> we built a tree. It was 500 feet tall, bright pink, and smelled horrible. If you can know that movie... What's that movie? You've already uh, it's I Monty Python. We did this. No, yeah, it's on. close, but it's not Monty Python. But this was also it's Terry Gilliam of Monty Python. Oh yeah, yeah. 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 We talked time about this in a, in a previous like the episode. First episode. In Time Bandit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And then true, that's yeah. when I was like, I heard you're a big Napoleon Dynamite fan, and you're like, shut up, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> Fill this pillowcase with. No, sorry, that's a different movie. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, with Hell, I think it's interesting because we talk about how. If you die in a state of unrepentant moral sin, you go to hell. Yep. Is it possible, has the church ever talked about like whether or not it's possible for someone who, let's say they, they died in a state of moral sin, they weren't able at all to go to the sacrament of confession, but like maybe they offered sort of like perfect contrition? Like, like what would the state of that soul be? Well, if you get perfect contrition, that justifies. Mm-hmm. What about in, imperfect contrition? Imperfect contrition does not justify without the sacraments. So imperfect contrition, um, yeah, you still need either baptism, which would take away you know, all sin and, and all punishment, um, or confession, which would take away eternal punishment from um, the guilt of mortal sin. Mm-hmm. And so that's, that's imperfect contrition is base necessary. You at least you need attrition, right? Being sorry that, you know, sorry that you, you don't want to go to hell. <laughs> so I'm sorry. I don't want to go to hell. Please, please forgive my sins. Whereas, like more perfect contrition is that you really. I'm sorry that I offended God, and that yeah. I will actually put into place things. I will never do that again. You know, I will. I will make resolutions to mm-hmm. not do that and and live a repentant, penitent life. Which, like that imperfect contrition, it, it's not necessarily bad. I mean, no, it's no, not no, necessarily no, no, bad. No, not. Like that's a good thing that you don't want to go to hell. All that you're scared is of good. Going to hell. All contrition yeah. is good. We yeah, can, we can make yeah. that categorical. Yeah, I think like in modern days when people are like so obsessed on being like perfect in terms of like academics or job, like no, it's actually a really good thing that you don't want to go to hell. You should 
not right. want to go to hell, you know. But if that's your sole motivation, though, that's kind of what makes it imperfect. Mm-hmm. The higher motivation is, it's like, well, what? In one sense, you know, what is he- oh, the worst part of hell is being separated from God, mm-hmm. because you know, with with revelation, with with especially the incarnation, you know, we know that we have uh, an eternal destiny, right? We've we've been fitted out for heaven now. Mm-hmm. Because of the supernatural law, new law, um, so we're not going to be satisfied, mm-hmm. right? And that that lack of satisfaction is going to be difficult. I don't know if you'll like this. I probably I really like... knowing you probably not. <laughs> have probably have to edit this whole thing out. We'll probably I, probably just have to scrap this whole episode. I really like the analogy or just the image that C.S. Lewis uses about hell, where he says that hell is locked from the inside. Um, obviously, like that that's probably not necessarily true that's a nice that's a but, nice image and there's there is a truth in it yeah right? because people you choose to go to hell it's right? really our doing yeah. it is right the only thing that we really own that's really that we can really call our own is our sins all good comes from god but my my difficulty with with that um image that it's locked from the inside it, it points to one truth yes it's our own doing but as we indicated before Sin deserves punishment. God does punish. Yeah, right. There, there's a matter of justice here, mm-hmm. um, and that that's a real thing. So yeah. it's it's yes, yes. God does punish people, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and just just as parents punish children, and sometimes you punish them because you want them to be good. It's a remedial type of thing, but you also punish them because they have done something wrong. Yeah, you know, I mean, I just consider the conditions of a mortal sin that it has to be grave matter full knowledge and full consent. So really, like, what happens when a soul is damned to hell, it's really God saying, like, I am giving you what you want, and you did right. not want me. You did not want me, and, like, I'm going to give you what 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 you want. I want to use another analogy of, like, parents. When parents, um, when children, well, let's say, like, there are children that have grown up and whatnot that have reached the age of adulthood, do something wrong. It's always the whatnot that gets you. <laughs> when whatnot, when they do something wrong, but they've reached the age of adulthood, there are certain, there are many times where, like, the parent will still forgive them, but also welcome back into their home. But there are also certain offenses that uh, children do where it's not uncommon for the parent to say, like, you're not welcome in this house yeah. right now because of something you have done. And that is good and right and just mm-hmm. to what what has been done. That's the punishment that is proportionate to the the offense that's been given. And that's where I, I really think that what hell is like, but it's also a state of permanency because you can't get out of hell. You're there. You know, like well, that's one thing maybe we did we didn't talk about at death is death is a type of um solidification mm-hmm. to to use a word is that we set our souls that's the point of decision for eternal destiny, right? So that's why it's very, very, very important to pray every day for the grace of final perseverance, so that you die in the faith of the church and the die in the state of grace, um, but also that we have a good, happy, holy death so that when we make that final decision, we make it well, that we're, we're, we're choosing God and, and not ourselves. And I've seen it. It's, you know, we... The idea of a deathbed conversion, or, or you know, I'll, 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 I'll definitely be sorry then. Don't count on it, because I've come across a number of elderly people who are actually really bittered and hardened, and it's really difficult to, to pastorally minister to them because of it. Jeez. It's really, it's, it's some That's of the sad. most frightening things I've ever had to deal with in my priesthood. That is terrifying. Is to deal with someone who's approaching death, and they're really recalcitrant. Mm-hmm. They're calcified. They're mm-hmm. putrefied in this hardening of of will and it's only grace and a lot yeah. of times i tell them like look first of all this is serious you're you're closer to meeting god than you've ever been before second is i don't know why god loves you so much that he sent me to you because i'm here i'm offering you all of this grace right now so you better take it because yeah. it, because if i leave he may not send someone else yeah and he may not send me back yeah 
that's like that's like uh, that that's like the story you ever hear about the guy who is who is uh there's a flood or, or like there's a hurricane coming to the town and they're like hey you need to evacuate you need to evacuate he's like no don't worry god loves me god will save me you know and then like a rowboat comes by right, and they're like a truck comes by get yeah, on the and truck then a helicopter bu- comes by yeah. and they're like hey no 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 like grab another slider he's like no god loves me god will save me and then he dies yeah and then god is like you idiot! I sent you a boat. I sent you, I sent you a truck. Uh, I sent you a boat. I sent you a helicopter. <laughs> like you know, I mean, and, and that also really gives credence to the words of Holy Scripture that talk about the hardness of of hearts of mm-hmm. sinners too. Is that like, like I mean that that image of the hardness of the heart is um, that's a real thing. It's mm-hmm. real. Yeah, yeah. I wonder. Uh, my this, senior- is, this is another reason why um, going to frequent confession is important. As I say, as I said last time. <clears throat> No more than every six weeks, at least once a month, um, perhaps more pious, or especially if you're dealing with a habit. You mean don't let more than six weeks pass. Right, exactly. Okay. No more than, do, do not go more less frequently than six. When you say That's, no more than English every six weeks. English is weird, weeks. isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> we, we chop it, chop it, she drown. Pobody's nerf it. We chop a tree down and then we cut the wood up. Was it back into a tree? It's very weird. Anyway, um, sorry. It's one of my favorite Englishisms things. Anyway, it's like you're um, talking Spanglish right now. Uh, yeah, sorry. Okay, so no, so go to confession at least every six weeks. More, mm-hmm. I more ideally every once a month. Um, more than that, every two weeks. You know, more than that, you don't probably don't need to go every two weeks, but mm-hmm. um. Because what that does is it, it helps you not only get the grace to live a repentant life, but it also helps you to um, avoid the occasions of sin. It, gets, you know, it, it also makes you docile to God's will, and it makes you repentant over and over. And in between your confessions, everyone should be making an examination of conscience every day. Mm-hmm. right? Focusing on—it doesn't have to be that— th- you know, it should be thorough, but it just doesn't have to be that detailed as perhaps you might do for a, a, a making a, a confession of the sacrament. But focusing on your duties, your prayers, how did I do, what what was the quality of my actions and decisions, did I choose Christ or myself, that sort of thing, to, to undo that selfishness. Because you don't want to wait to the end of your life because there's there's no guarantee, and that's you're also missing out on a lot, a lifetime of meriting, mm-hmm. right? If Absolutely. You're, if you're doing habits and things like that, you've got to break them so that you can you can be be meriting um, in the time that God has allotted yeah. to you. Because to get back to the, on topic to the point, um, hell is a punishment, and even but in hell there's mercy. Because you deserve more than what hell is, and hell is absolutely horrific. Yeah. There is no end of it. Every sense is being punished um and particularly that that sense the 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 pain of soul of that you could have seen god you could have been blissfully happy forever with god in heaven but you chose not to yeah so it's that it's that worm what the scripture talks about the worm that does not die it's that worm of regret all right what's the difference between um saint peter and judas Mm. One repented, one regretted. Yeah. Souls in hell regret. Those who go to heaven repent. Mm-hmm. And that's a very important distinction. Yeah. That and also where you seek forgiveness. You know, it, it seems... Which is <laughs> pretty... Yeah. What I would like to put in the invisible show notes that we have, or um, just a recommendation for our, listen- our lemon juice show notes, um, two things. One is a book and one is a talk on YouTube. The, the book is called Frequent Confession and its Place in the Spiritual Life by Dom Benedict Bauer, who is a uh, German uh, Benedictine monk, and it's published by Scepter, mm-hmm. and it was written in the 20s, I think. Very good book on uh, frequent confession. The second uh, one is... Or How to Profit from One's Faults is also good in that same yeah, area. Yeah, yeah, that's but a great one. So I think, T-I-S-S-O-T, I think also Scepter. Yeah, yeah. I think does that. Particular Examine, written by actually by a CSC priest, is a good place to start to help identify your predic- your, yeah. your uh, predominant fault and and how to to start practicing the virtues. Yeah, and I really appreciate that you brought up like a a uh, general examination that you do at every night um, because that's that's a very good practice to fall into. Especially, it's also helpful when you do frequent con- confession if you've been doing a right. A it makes your confessions easier, more pointed. Yeah, it, it's just like you know if you go to your doctor, your physical medical doctor, and you say. I just don't feel well. Yeah. 
if you can't point to where it hurts or what the symptoms are, he's not going to be able to diagnose you very well. The same thing with your spiritual physician. When you go to your regular confessor, the more pointed you can be, the better the advice will be, yeah. and the more pointed the grace will be applied. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I would say too that like when you do this general exam, it's also encouraged to do a particular exam, and maybe at like um, wait, I might be getting this mixed up, but like an exam halfway through the day, just like of how has the first half of my day been going, and what can I do for the next half of the day. But um, you know, a lot of times at the end of the day, when we examine our conscience, we might notice like several faults that we've committed, mm-hmm. rather than saying like boasting and saying, I'm going to avoid all these faults tomorrow, which is highly unlikely. Just maybe pick one or two of those that you especially have been struggling in and saying like, okay, in particular, I want to avoid all those, but in particular, let's say it's gossip or like laziness in my work. I'm going to particularly avoid these two. Start with the ones that are either more, start with the ones that are grievous. Always get rid of those first. And then look for the ones, if there's kind of an equality of, of gravity, mm-hmm. look for the ones that are more uh, radical in the sense, that the, more the root. Yeah. You want to dig out the root mm-hmm. because it's like, oh, it's really my pride which causes me to do X, Y, and Z. These things yeah. are actually there so I can get at the root of things. Yeah. Which is one of the things I think uh, the, the book, Particular Examine, mm-hmm. it's uh, great. is helpful. On. I, I would also like to recommend a video by Father Chad Ripperger, Ripperger, right? Ripperger on hell. And actually, sure that's how you pronounce his name. Soft I mean, G. That's how he pronounces it. Potato, potato. You know, but uh, Father Chad Ripperger. I know, but I'm, obviously <laughs> I haven't talked to him in a while. These many, like so often we're like, why don't you just call him and, you know, like on the show. That'd be actually be really cool to have him as a guest on the show, but. We don't um, have that kind of money. He has a video on YouTube. <laughs> our budget. Uh, the producer here. This, yeah, right. Our sponsors. <laughs> yeah. Not taking any ad time, so we're not getting I any I thought we were sponsored funding. by Ray-Ban, but I guess no. not. <laughs> no. So Father Chad has an excellent um, uh, talk on hell on YouTube and the five, how your five senses are engaged, Oof. fully engaged. I mean, it, it will literally scare the hell out yeah. of you. It will scare well, the that's hell That's the idea. You. you don't want hell in you. Exactly. You don't want to be in hell. You don't want hell in you. Um, I'm wondering, just as a final topic of conversation for hell, uh, I think it's important especially because it's talked about so much today is this concept of like, like dare we hope for the salvation of all? And uh, the question of like hoping that all will be saved. Um, we hear this a lot in Who theologians or speakers. What, what circles do you run in? Uh, I don't hear this a lot, but then again, when you're a jet, I don't, I don't, you're always a jet. Okay. <laughs> I don't run in those circles. It's like West side story. We have the universalist on one side and the, the the Feniites on the other, so you know, are they opposites? Are they? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. So uh, I just I might put my two cents in on this, and then you know, well, uh, that would be surprising. That'd be a change. What in the <laughs> world? Oh my goodness! Hey, you started it. It seems it seems to me that like uh, first of all, the virtue of hope uh, implies a trust in God's mercy, and um, it it. Falls in line with the virtue of faith. That's the thing. Yeah, yeah, but it also like like, I can't believe for you. It's united to the virtue of faith, and the virtue of faith also accepts that with which the church holds, and which that which has been revealed that cannot be deceived. Faith is that you you. It's an intellectual assent to the revealed truths that God has revealed and the Mm -hmm. church teaches. Yeah, yeah. Hope is the the confidence that. Knowing what God is and who God is, God makes good on his promises. God wills our salvation, has promised to give us the means of salvation. So everyone has sufficient grace to save his soul. Mm -hmm. So in that sense, yeah, okay, the the offer is universal. Yeah. But the reality is, is, I don't think we can say it is universal. I think by like, in terms of a hope, what we should do here on earth is that we really should pray... We, we really should pray for the most hardened of sinners, like especially those that we encounter. That's like, what St. Therese did, right? Like, she yeah. encountered as her first miracle was yeah. that, that hardened criminal who was on the way to the gallows. Yeah. Um, we should pray for their soul. We should pray that God is merciful to them. We should pray that they have some form of conversion before their death or whatnot. But also... Not just some, a sufficient form. A sufficient so one, that absolutely. They actually, yeah. But also that like... That hope should not be a false hope or a hope that's blinded to the reality of the fact that, like, there are people in hell. 
there are people in hell. And, and that salvation comes through Christ alone and through the one true church that he founded. Absolutely. That's it. Absolutely. And you know what, though? Like, this is totally, this is just my opinion on the whole dare we hope or whatever, is that the church has suffered extraordinarily from from its missionary mandate, from this concept of, like, dare we hope that all people be saved. Because when you preach the gospel to certain peoples and you say, there is actually a place that you can go to if you reject this. Like, this is this is the effect of your rejection. This actually compels people to conversion. And when we neglect the reality of hell, we're neglecting the salvation of souls. And right, so, the preaching of hell is very pastoral. Because it it's true. Is. It's a reality. And I'm actually, like, and not being I mean, pastoral if I'm not talking right, about it. I mean, it. because if Christ is the Savior, what does he save us from? Death, ultimate death, the second death, hell, and sin. Because sin leads us to death. Yeah, I mean, right? like so he's 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 a, such a good physician. He's he's not only you know restoring us to full health. Mm-hmm. He, he getting rid rid of all the sickness. He's the cause and the effects. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I think that Fatima is a good example of the attitude we should have as Christians, because on the one hand, we have the prayer of Fatima that we should be praying at the end of the rosary uh, each decade. Oh my Jesus, forgive us our sins, save us from the fires of hell and lead all souls into heaven, which is a prayer of hope of like, like we're praying for like ourselves and for those around us and whatnot. Like those who are living, we're praying for those who are living right now for that grace of final repentance. We're not praying for those who have died because they're either in heaven or hell that's why we pray for the faithful departed exactly the unfaithful departed yeah you made a choice yeah yeah exactly and then on the flip side what are what's one of the visions that the three shepherd children received at fatima the vision of hell vision of hell yeah where souls are being thrown into the fires of hell for all eternity so or the vision of don bosco exactly yeah Yeah. uh, uh, his vision of hell and, and all the boys he was um you know, inspired to take care yeah. of that, that they would be yeah. lost without his help. And also scripture, I think, I think it's in James or Jude. I can't remember, but there's, there's one passage in the, New, in the New Testament epistles that's pretty clear that Judas is damned in hell, that Judas is damned in hell. And before we were recording, we were talking about this quote from St. Alphonsus Liguori. And he says, you know, poor Judas, he has been suffering the fires of hell for 1700 years and he's just now beginning his punishment. You know, I mean, that that should scare us. That should frighten us, you know? Yeah, I mean, I would recommend Dante's Inferno, mm-hmm. but not his bedtime reading. I did that once. <laughs> I can't recommend that. <laughs> you can do the Paradiso, but... Yeah, you, you know. can do the Paradiso. It's but, not as exciting. As the, yeah. as the I was actually Inferno. talking to a student today who said that when his class read uh, the Inferno, that... That week, he saw so many of his classmates in line for confession wow. uh, than before. And and so, I mean, like, that's something that I really appreciated that our Holy Father had said on Dante's, it was the anniversary of his birth or his death or whatever. He said he invited all Christians to read the Divine Comedy, um, mm-hmm. which I think is great because when you read it, you know, it's a, it's a literary work. It's a literary masterpiece, but it really does hit home the spiritual truths and the spiritual realities of heaven and hell. So, yeah, I mean, hell is... Um, you know, as we were talking about death before and this kind of American attitude of um, a weird type of morbid fascination, but it also almost like a morbid avoidance of it. The same thing with hell. We don't hear enough of it. Perhaps we had too much of it in previous um, ages of preaching and, and parish life. I don't know. I'm, 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 not, I'm not that old. Um, but we don't hear it quite enough. That this is a real place we can go there, and it's horrible, horrible. And to, to meditate on it, I mean, it's it's very beneficial. I think the Ignatius spiritual exercises. Mm-hmm. It's like a first whole week is on hell. Yeah, you know. Um, when I was burning, you don't le- want to go there. When and I was burning st- leaves in my backyard recently, I I was just like watching the flames, and I was like, I was actually just like, it brought me to think about like the fires right. of hell. Like, that's another that's another interesting thing of of kind of modern technology of having boilers and furnaces and things yeah. like that, which is on my mind because we're getting a new boiler for the church. <laughs> but but it's, it's interesting this house doesn't actually have a fireplace mm. for its age, but it's always memor- mesmerizing to sit in front of a yeah. fire. It's just it just draws your attention, mm-hmm. um, and it's very meditative. Meditative, I think, mm-hmm. um, partly to think of 
what hell's like and, and kind of seeing souls cast about in the in the drafts of hell um and the and all yeah all your senses will be assaulted you know and that's one of the things you know the the sacrament we'll get to the sacraments um here in an episode or two um the sacrament of extreme unction all the senses by which we get all of our information right to just be a little bit philosophical here about our proper anthropology um humans only know anything via the senses so we get all of our data that we know things from our sense data and then our our active intellect abstracts that to universals and the positive the possible intellect meditates on that and, and reasons from those abstracted things that we get from our senses but in the the sacrament of extreme unction we we anoint each of the senses the eyes the nose the mouth the ears the hands the feet because that's how sin entered the body and affected the soul. And we use these instruments, which were meant for God's glorification and our good for evil. Mm-hmm. That's another thing to, 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 to contemplate, not only, you know, um, not just hell, but contemplate what gets you there, is the evil of sin, right? God has given us everything, and he's given us everything because he's good, because he loves us, and it's all to be used for his glory, which is his right as the creator. But he doesn't, he, he, he permits us to use our existence and all these gifts that he's given us to offend him. And so it is the height, all sin is a height of ingratitude that we use these great gifts of existence and, and our natural faculties and things to offend the creator. And so that deserves punishment. I mean, I don't know who could argue that it doesn't. Um, and it will be a fitting punishment for the the means by which we offend God. So hell is an ugly place, so it offends the eyes. It's a stinky place. It offends the nose. I mean, just go work on a septic tank, and then maybe you'll not want to go to hell. You know, if you, especially if you sin through the taste of things, you know, hell, there's a bad, you know, especially if you yeah. smell something, you, you end up tasting it as well. And of course, then there's the flames and other uh, other sensory things and, and the, the ear-shattering you know, horrific nature of, of noise in hell. Um, yeah, it's it's good to think about those things every once in a while because then it's it is a remedy of the selfishness that sin is, and it, it keeps that farther away. It's like, no, I'm not going to trade. It's not worth the trade off. Mm-hmm. You know, if we have this sense of sin, this love of God that 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 sin offends. But even just simply that attrition or that imperfect contrition, that understanding hell is a horrible, horrible place, and it's not worth even risking going there to do these things. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Stephen, do you have any questions or comments before we move into heaven? <clears throat> yeah, on uh, you, you, if you if you die in a state of, you said you die in a state of unrepentant mortal sin. What is a state of repentant mortal sin? Does that mean you? intend on going to confession is that the idea um, i'm saying that you do repent of it but but you've not had the ordinary means to yeah like someone who's dying someone who's dying and maybe doesn't have like there's not a priest there who give them absolution okay. or whatnot you know but you um, still haven't made it to confession so you're in a state of moral yeah, sin yeah but so. you're, okay but you are repentant of it and that you would do you would do whatever it takes to get out of that state. So yeah. yes, you would confess. You would confess integrally, orally, yeah. everything needed. Yeah. Um, so I think in that scenario, dare we hope? Like like I'm gonna hope for their salvation, but I'm also gonna pray for that soul. I'm gonna offer masses for that person. Yeah. I'm going to do what I can to assist that person. But ultimately, I'm not the judge. God's God's the judge. I mean, we. we on this, yeah, we can only judge by externals, the objective right. things. So, if we had somebody, say, um, you know, a public sinner, right? Somebody um, who's kind of a notorious sinner. Everybody, it, it wasn't a cult or private things. But we knew this lifestyle of this person. Um, we pray for that, them to repent, um, and if they died without any sort of because if they're doing some, every public sin has to have a public repentance. Mm-hmm. All right, that, that's an important thing. If mm-hmm. if you sin publicly, then the mm-hmm. repentance and the the reparation has to be made publicly too. You can't just do that privately. Um, so if somebody doesn't do that and they die, well, we hope, right? Well, we we wish we we want them to have repented and we pray for 
the repose of their soul. We prayed God to have mercy on them. Mm-hmm. But objectively, we have to say, they died in that state. They do not get Christian burial. Mm-hmm. They do not get the benefit of the public <clears throat> prayers of the church in that sense because they did not live publicly mm-hmm. as a Catholic. They thwarted all of that, which those things are really efficacious. Are really You want that. You want the last sacraments. You want the funeral mass. And this is important thing. Anybody listening out there, put it in your will. Yeah. Tie whatever money and inheritance you have to have a funeral mass for you before you're cremated, before you're buried, whatever it is, have your body there. Have the prayers of the church said over you. It's so important. Mm-hmm. Tie your inheritance to it. Yeah, tie That's your inheritance right. to it. Absolutely. I mean, it's, it's, it's to that point. I've had that experience um, you know, once is too often, but I've had it more than once where, um, you know, don't count on your children doing what you want, especially if they've fallen away from the faith. Faith, They're going to do what's convenient and cheapest. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Not, not to cast aspersions on your children, your future <laughs> children, whatever, but don't, don't play games with, with your salvation or, or, with, or getting out of purgatory. Yeah, uh-huh. and how wonderful that it's actually like legally binding if you put that in there, you right. know, for for something that happened. There's a security there. Of course, that. there's also security of dying with nothing. Yeah, right. If you've actually right, that's what our Lord means by make friends with Mammon, mm. because you yeah. can't take it with you. So you can merit a lot by you know being generous and, yeah. and that sort of thing. Obviously, yeah. you know, that, it's more nuanced than that. Don't don't cut your children out of your will just because of this silly little podcast. <laughs> Done. This, don't don't. <laughs> You know, consult me more further with your particulars if, um, or someone who knows more than I. Um, but the long and the short of this segment is don't go to hell. Be, don't go to hell. Be, think of hell at least periodically to make better decisions in life. That nothing, nothing that Satan can promise you, even if it's the whole world, is worth it. Do you remember the, 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 it's an old traditional maxim that's like, remember, O Christian, that you have hell to lose and heaven to gain today. Um, yeah, I think that's really important to just remember sure each day. Right? Hell to lose. And heaven, heaven to lose, heaven hell to gain? <clears throat> now I've got you thinking. <laughs> hell to lose. Yeah, like like I don't want to go to hell and then... Heaven to gain. Yeah. That's the more positive way of yeah. doing it. You know what I mean, right? But I mean, you could, you could say it the other way. You could. Yeah. You could. I have hell to gain and heaven to lose today. And therefore, I need to do better than that. Right. You know? and I yeah. think it depends upon if you're choleric or melancholic. I mean, just yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just remember St. Paul's words to work out your salvation in fear and trembling. Right. Um, so why don't we move to a happy heaven. note on eternal beatitude. Uh, Monsignor, can you give us a little rundown on like what heaven is? You know, I, I remember Christopher Hitchens, uh, um, may the Lord have mercy on his soul, when he was alive uh saying that he thought heaven sounded like a terrible place because it reminded him of the uh marches the military marches for uh north korea where where it's just like this endless praise of god uh as if like the north koreans praising their dictator uh for all eternity so perhaps maybe you can enlighten us on what heaven is or the state of eternal beatitude well I mean, heaven is being in the presence of God, and God is existence itself. Okay, that's a bit philosophical and a bit dry. He's goodness itself. Mm-hmm. He's love itself. He's truth itself. Right? So if we think back, right, kind of the fundamental things, early questions in our catechism, you know, what is man? Man is a rational animal. That means he has a soul and a body. And the soul has two faculties, two powers. The intellect, which is made to know the truth, and the will, which is made to choose the good. And so in heaven, those faculties are completely satisfied. We have truth itself. So there's there's no more questioning. There's this, uh, and anyone who actually has ever kind of learned something or come across the truth, there's a great joy there. And it's a different joy than we get from eating a really good steak or having a good beer. Um, Although that could be like a little, for, like, a minuscule foretaste of well, I mean that, that's that's not unrelated. Sure, it's a different type because it's a different faculty. Yeah, right. Yeah, so, absolutely. And it's a higher faculty, and those are the faculties that we really want to cultivate the appetites for those those things. Um, and the same with the will. When we find something truly good, mm-hmm. 
um, and when we when we love something, right? That's the, that's the will being drawn to the good. We love it and we want to possess it. We want to be one with it, right? That's that's one of the reasons that Christ and Christ's relationship with the church is the marital union, right? It's this love, beloved, you know, desire for the good and possession of the good um, that is even heightened more so when you have the ultimate good. And then, you know, with the res- general resurrection of the body, uh, or unless, you know, considering Our Lady, she already has her body in the Assumption, um, she's enjoying that overflow of happiness from the intellect and from the will in the soul to the body, and the, the body rejoices and is glorified mm-hmm. in this. So it's it's the satisfaction of our nature yeah, in a supernatural way, mm-hmm. right? So that's one thing we didn't actually kind of plan on talking about in the... Um, in the planning of these topics in the last podcast and this one, um, this is the supernatural happiness of seeing God face to face, which we ha- no one has a right to. This is why we have a life of probation. This is why even the angels underwent a test to have some sort of ownership and meriting this thing of freely free will choosing God over everything else, including ourselves. Um, and the angels did this too. So they, in that sense, we merit heaven. But all goodness comes from God. Um, and it's this supernatural being raised above our nature, because God is completely above our nature. He's, he's completely other. So that we, can, we are made through grace, able to experience in the light of glory, the beatific vision, right? Mm-hmm. That blessed vision of God being satisfied beyond our imagining of our nature i think especially um it's helpful to remember that heaven defies our expectations um, eye has not seen ear is not yeah, heard yeah there's so like you know i remember there there would be certain moments and it, whenever i kind of teach on heaven to to young people about this is that i i try and encourage them to consider maybe moments that they've had in their life that uh, good moral moments that that like they're in that experience and they're thinking like I could this could happen forever and I'd be very happy like I I wouldn't want this to end you know how I feel it's like it, that the line of that Bob Dylan song I could stay with you forever and never realize the time oh oh yeah that's a that's, that's a, a great good, line yeah, that's yeah. a great line yeah. you know yeah, um, I, I liken it to like talking about because like you know both hell and heaven are eternal mm-hmm. we have no concept of it because it's it's not a series of endless events it's no time yeah it's outside yeah. of time yeah. and i liken it to this like when i was little uh a boy we'd, we'd go outside you know particularly in the summer we'd be playing backyard baseball games or whatever and we'd been playing all day and we're so engrossed in what we were doing we we didn't realize the time. Track of time right it was yeah. we were living in this kind of eternal now it's like yeah. all of a sudden we had to stop playing because we couldn't see the ball anymore. Mm-hmm. And we still tried to play, even though it yeah. started to get dangerous. Yeah. So somebody's going to get a bloody nose. <laughs> but it was this, that, this no concept of time is heaven. It's not mm-hmm. like this, oh, today's Tuesday in heaven. Yeah. It's, it's not that. So, uh-huh. I w- so I would tell people that, like, you know, I would remember, like, rocking my children to sleep and just, like, you know, holding my children and, and thinking, like, this is, like, amazing this is wonderful like I, I was very grateful for my vocation as a father and whatnot and i was thinking like this could uh, this could happen forever and i would just be very happy and like like i feel very much in right. love and i feel very much like like loving at the same time mm-hmm. and so that's where i thought like aha this is like like a, even this this the beauty of like a father to a child is like the love of a father to a child is very minuscule to the love and the goodness that we share in infinitely in heaven i have this vague memory of when i was very little um remember riding in the back of the car it may have actually we used to have a, a volkswagen bus so it may have been in the oh, back cool. seat of the bus I remember either that or it was we also had a buick maybe it was the back of the buick i don't remember anyway i was in the back seat and my of some car of some car my mom was driving and I, I i think i asked my mom mom what's heaven like and she says okay well Think of the happiest time you've ever had. Like, you got it? Like, I think so. Okay. Now, times that by the largest number you can think of. 
And that's how happy you'll be in heaven. Mm. Cool. Yeah, my mom was pretty cool. Yeah, that, that, that <laughs> is, I mean that's pretty. It's, yeah. it's a pretty good explanation. It's like yeah. it's like it just like it blows your mind. It's like yeah. I can't I can't do you that can't math. Yeah. And what I tell people a lot too, because they're always like, "Oh my gosh, is my dog gonna be in heaven or my cat?" And I'm like, "Yes to the dog, no to the cat." No, I'm kidding. But what well, I, that's I would I would agree with that at least sentiment. Yeah. The way I always explained it because I always when I was uh, in a previous incarnation, not not literally in <laughs> previous assignment is what um, I meant to say. Yeah. <laughs> um, Ohms are only important for amp and speaker cabinet pairings. Yes. <laughs> yes. Are, that's very important. That's the only ohms I care about. Yeah. Um, no, when I go into and visit the classrooms of the children at school, and it was usually fourth or fifth graders, they would ask that kind of question about do dogs go to heaven, that sort of thing. Is my dog Fido in heaven? I mean, of course, they're children, so you don't want to say no categorically. The, the answer that I, I, I hit upon was... In heaven, you will have everything necessary for your complete and perfect happiness. Absolutely. So if it's actually necessary for you to be completely and perfectly happy that you have your dog, then God will give you your dog. But it won't be because God is your perfect happiness. Yeah. Yeah. You know know what I tell people too, though, is that like, like, look, if I get to heaven, God willing, if I get to heaven and my dog is there, I'll be like, great. Thanks, God. That's awesome. Like, like you're awesome and very merciful. I appreciate that. But if, if... Molly the lab is not there. I'm not going to be like, uh, can I get something else? You know, like, like there's only one other option that you well, have. Here's, and here's, you don't, you know. here's the other kicker, though. Right. So this is why we the, the first what's the first of the greatest commandments? Uh, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul and strength. God's not kidding. Mm-hmm. That that is not that is a commandment mm-hmm. that he's not kidding about that. We have to do that because. God is our ultimate happiness, and it is God that we have to choose above all else. And if some other human person whom we may love very, very much is not there, it will not diminish our happiness. And if we would give up happiness, if that person were not there, then we are not worthy of heaven, Mm -hmm. and we will not make it. Yeah. Because there's actually, St. Thomas talks about um, the the heavenly host, the, the saints in heaven rejoicing, hear me out, be patient, rejoicing over the damned oh yeah i've, I've read this right? before not, and not it makes be, sense not it, because they're damned but because it is the justice, justice of god yeah right they're happy that god is glorified in his justice and in his, as we talked about before in the general judgment mm-hmm. in his mercy that they deserve to be punished more but they're they're not being as punished punished what they really yeah. ought to be and so they will rejoice over that so um you know it's very possible that it could be uh, someone that you love that you will actually end up rejoicing over only because you have to love God yeah. above all else. Yeah, and just to go back to the dog thing, like... Always like, go back to the dog. I mean, just consider like... Hair of the dog. Consider the Ten Commandments. The first three, the first three deal with... God. Um, God. God. And the then, le- then the next seven, seven go to... Deal with your neighbor. Yeah. Those are the two great commandments. None of those deal with animals. And I'm not saying that you should be like... Michael Vick and and be like like terrible. It's really to weird that, that it's like you look at the Ten Commandments like oh the thing that I see in these there's no animals there's mentioned. No, dogs. no, but what I'm saying is that like 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 whereas man. what I see is like oh this is simply a specification of the two great commandments. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Yes. So the two great commandments: love God with yes. love your whole, whole yes mind, heart, soul. And you know what I you know what I know this is that like God yourself. willing, God willing, if I if I am in heaven. I'm not gonna be lacking in anything. I'm not gonna be lacking in anything. No, you know, uh, I'm. It's not gonna be disappointing to me at all. Uh, Monsignor, I'm wondering. Maybe a last thing to talk about is that you know, in the in in our understanding of the end of days, that there will be a new heaven and a new earth. Is there any indication of us knowing what that new heaven and new earth will be, or or have the saints talked about that at all? Or? Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and the reason yeah. I say that is because oh man, I'm I'm I can't remember. I did a, actually a whole paper actually comparing what Saint Thomas says about the end and the last. You know the yeah, you said it was really weird. It's very weird, but I was I was comparing him with what Saint Bonaventure said. And they're what actually is he, what they, does he say? I that's why I wish you wouldn't have brought it up because ah. I don't remember. The paper wasn't very tune good. Tune in next time. No, don't even tune in. Don't stop tuning <laughs> the in. Because this is just, this, I'm sorry, this is bad. Um, 
Um, but yeah, it's it's actually really weird. It's so otherworldly. Mm-hmm. It's it's hard to get your head around mm-hmm. to have a new earth. Yeah, like kind of new earth. Uh, at the end of Revelation, where it says everything turns to glass or something like that. Yeah, and I mean you're dealing with apocalyptic. Sounds like Lord of the Rings, though. All things fall fall back to silver glass. White shores. And I, just don't, I just don't know why the eagles just yeah. didn't drop the ring in themselves. Why we had to okay. have the Okay, you know anyway. what? It can't always. There's actually plenty of reasons for that. Okay. Sure. Okay. Sorry. The eagles were kind of like the ice. Okay. 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 Sorry. I didn't mean to get us distracted. Okay. Let's, let's reel it back in. <sighs> don't get me started on Lord of the Rings because I, I will. I, I will sorry, tell I didn't, you. I didn't mean to hit that big flashing red <laughs> button. Anyway, what was I saying? You were talking about new heaven and new earth. And right. Stephen brought up silver glass, and I brought Lord of the well, Rings. Right. So we're dealing with, you know, apocalyptic and mystical experiences. Like when you get Daniel or a, a Saint John talking about these things, or any of the other mystics, um, they're talking about something that they they words fail to describe. Yeah. That's one of the reasons that um, it's it's kind of interesting that. Our Lord speaks more of hell than of heaven. Hell is a lot easier to understand. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Suffering is more relatable. Right. It's just kind of like we as Catholics, we we understand Lent a lot better than Easter. Yeah. Lent's easier to do than Easter. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. We, we don't really know how to feast well. We don't know how to, like... Party moderately. <laughs> you know, we don't have to... We, which we, we should learn. We should learn. that. That's the whole point of Lent is to... To die to self, mm-hmm. cultivate virtues that we then can apply in Easter time mm-hmm. to feast moderately and 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 be sober about rejoicing. Yeah, um, in in a sense. Yeah, you know. absolutely. You know, Aquinas talks about how um, in our glorified body that we our glorified body is is what we are like when we're about 30 or 33 years old. He says, yeah, the perfect age is the death yeah. of our Lord, which he's... Yeah. Which, I mean, like... It's the, the, it's the perfection of um, our development. Yeah. Right, because you're not yet on the decline yeah. of aged, um, but you've come to full perfection. You've come to yeah. full growth. There's actual biological truth with that in terms of, like, the 30s are, like, that kind of, like, that peak time, and then everything's kind of downhill from there and whatnot, Actually, I, you know? I thought the 40 was pretty good. Oh, really? I actually <laughs> had, I had a lot easier time turning 40 yeah. than I did 30. Yeah. 30, I was like, oh... No, I'm no, I'm not in my 20s anymore. That was hard. That was really hard. When I turned 40, I'm like, I'm gonna hit my stride. Yeah. I'm in my prime. And so as I'm like, as I'm good. looking towards 33, I'm like, ah, oh, I got a lot of work to do before you know. Yeah, you definitely want to make sure. When I turn 33, I'm like, I really need to work on my physique because if this is my going to be my body forever. Yeah, I gotta, I gotta make, I gotta, you know, right. lose some weight yeah. and you know, do some push-ups and things. Did you have any questions but, about hell? Actually, what I we didn't mention, maybe you could talk about. I could turn the sure. tables on you. Uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> of the uh, the attributes of the glorified body, Ooh. subtlety and agility and and You're clarity. Like a flash, you know. Um, no, I mean, like consider that. What's consider it this way. Yeah. Dexterity, yeah. <laughs> consider it this way. <laughs> dexterity level. I might get my twelve sided die. <laughs> Yeah, mom, I want some tots. <laughs> I can't, I can't come upstairs right now. Consider no cons- offense to anyone who played. What's that. your charisma? <laughs> <laughs> really, what I mean is no offense to Steve who's sitting right here. <laughs> For those listening in, I am surrounded by nerds right now. <laughs> I wasn't a D and D nerd. I was a Stratomatic nerd. So, yeah, <laughs> that's a I don't different even know level. What that is. Yeah. That's a different level. So okay, in, in the similar, in a way, how the uh, the soul, the souls of the damned. Uh, or the people that are that are damned suffer in their five senses. Um, it would also make sense, and it also uh, seems right and just that the souls of the justified, uh, those that are especially in their glorified body, would have um, their senses would be engaged as well with sight and um, because we're not we're not ghosts in a machine. Yeah, what our nature is is. A composite. Yeah, it's, it's a spirit and a body. Yeah. It's it's an integral yeah. thing. So sight- death is an unnatural separation. Death is a punishment. Mm-hmm. It's not good for our souls to be separated from yeah. our bodies. Mm-hmm. So it's it's very fitting. Yeah, that we get them back at the end. It's it's a reintegration. And that's really interesting because like taste, how the sense of taste is like to- totally fulfilled and satisfied in heaven, or sight with with total clarity. Um, hearing that 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 our sat 
what we hear and what we take in audibly is is uh, fulfilled in ways we can't even describe. Um, it seems that there's like a hyper realization of of who we are. I, think, I forget where it was. C.S. Lewis talks about that. Oh, in the Great Divorce. Yeah, where like about, when they're stepping on, they can't step on the grass because it's like like blades. Yeah, yeah. It's because they're not actually prepared yeah. for the the hyper reality that yeah the, the, yeah we're living in the world of shadows right yeah. now. We think it's so real. And that's by the way, that's a great book, The Great yeah. Divorce. Excellent, excellent. But have you ever read that? No, I haven't read much. Yeah. Uh, my favorite scene, uh, my favorite part in The Great Divorce is when there's one soul, because the whole premise is that the souls of uh, the damned are visiting uh, heaven and uh, by a bus, and um, but but or like they're in purgatory or just like I think it's purgatory. Know, I yeah, think yeah. Does, it's yeah. kind of like a like a, a dream state or whatnot, but. Um, the souls that are under that have suffered sin are visiting heaven by bus, and then there's one guy who's suffering from the sin of impurity, and the sin of impurity is like personifies like this little devil on his shoulder that's like telling him like you know like to do these like this tiny little one that's whispering in his ear, and then the angel that's there in heaven is like, would you like me to kill it? Would you like me to kill it? And he's like, oh, this guy, no, 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 he's just this tiny little thing, like like don't worry about it. And he's like, and then the angel's like, would you like me to kill it? And he's saying, no, no. And then the guy's getting more anxious. Like, no, no, no. You don't need to kill him. Like, he's fine. He's just, he's not bothering me at all or whatnot. You know, and the whole time this little devil was like Was it a devil like or was it like a bird or something? And I think it's like a, like a little... It was like, something that he was attached yeah, to. It. Yeah, that, yeah, That was the the whole point of it is that he was attached. And then the angel is like, would you like me to kill it? And he's like, yes, yes, yes. Kill it, please. And then then the angel like takes out the sword and kills the, mm. the, the, the demon or whatever of, of impurity. And then it turns into this glorious white stallion of purity that he races off into... The glories of heaven, wow. you know. I mean, it's amazing. So, um, yeah, yeah. So that's actually something really good to read if you're inspired to after this podcast episode is "The Great Divorce" by C.S. Lewis, um, and also to contemplate hell. Mm. Have a bonfire and look at the fires. Don't touch it. Just look at it. Don't walk over it. Just look at it. Yeah. Um, anything else? I'm pretty exhausted. Yeah, I'm sure people are exhausted listening. Yeah. Uh, if you have any questions, please email us at uh, pastor at saintstands.com, S-T-S-T-A-N.com. No, that's not correct. Oops. All right, Monsignor, take it away. Put it in the show notes. Pastor at saintstandparish.com. Ah, S-T-S-T-A-N-P-A-R-I-S-H. What? Watch, we have like a bunch of emails from like St. Stanislaus in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Just like, <laughs> why am I getting all these questions? Uh, for the next few episodes, we're going to be talking about the sacraments, what sacraments are, what sacramentals are, and we will be diving into the seven sacraments of the church. Stay tuned. Stay tuned.